no, I'm okay. Yuki. Yeah. I'm Yuki. Oh. Okay. It's it's done. We I'm Yuki. It, as no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> about time to say welcome to poetry welcome to poetry oh no that's not our jingle we can't no go ahead no finish it no no Sing the rest well, of it. no okay say it again Mm-mm. we get one take the p- podcast the p- p- podcast <laughs> the p- 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 podcast the podcast where we try to understand poetry i'm yuki who are you oh i'm koya i thought you were gonna oh sorry we don't got a lot of time. We got to no, get, right get through it. this. Yeah. Um, what are we reading today? Well, no, we we can't do that first. Oh, what right. do we do? Yuki, how are you doing? I'm feeling a little bit frazzled, so I'm excited to like get into this. Okay. I'm yeah. feeling still COVID-y. So. Oh, I'm so sorry. You yeah. look a lot better. Thank you. I try. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I made the mistake. I did too much the other day and then it like flared back up. So. Yeah. I think I probably still sound COVID-y too, but here we are. I think you sound great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I have a poetry moment. Oh. So this poetry moment is brought to you by my niece. Oh. Sophia May. She's a cutie. Yeah. Who is nine years old and wrote a poem <gasps> and uh, sent it to me. So Sophia texts me. She texts me like every day to say goodnight. When I when she got her her little iPad and she asked for my number, I was like, "What is this nine year old gonna text me?" <laughs> and uh, she just texts me to say goodnight every night. It's very cute. Um, it's adorable. It is really adorable. And so she sent me a poem that she wrote, and I want to read it, or maybe you should read it since you're the you're the one who reads. No, I think you should her. read it. Okay, this is I'll read her niece. It doesn't have a title. But it's very Emily Dickinson. (laughs) Um, So this is a Sophia original. We all make mistakes. One mistake we cannot make is death. We all have our lives. We have to live our life as long as we can. God is everything you can think of. So please, God. One big jump is all it takes for a person to live. Do all great things even when it does not please you. Think of your mom. She is a great part of your life. Think of her as your God guarding you. Once you come into the world, look around, see how the air feels. Please it and it will please you. A great and inspirational poem by yours truly, Sophia. Is that like last that. part part of the poem? No, but that's how she signed it. Oh, <laughs> That was really good. She's <laughs> not. Yeah, isn't it good? Goodness. <laughs> I was like, ooh, wee. She had a word for me today. I was impressed. Wow. That's really impressive. I know. I know. Equating your mother with the divine. That's next level. I was not thinking about any of that when I was nine. I know. My cousin should be honored. Also, Sophia is really my cousin, but I call her my niece. Um, oh. <laughs> isn't she your niece? No. Oh, because she's your cousin's yeah. daughter. She oh. is She is my first cousin once removed. I ain't calling her that. It's dumb. That's too much. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, my favorite line from her poem is actually I have a lot actually. One mistake I like you can the jump one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, jump. One big jump is all it takes for a person to live. Yeah. What was your favorite line? So I have a I have a few. One is one mistake we cannot make is death because it yeah. really. I was not expecting it when I read <laughs> that, and I was like, oh, and it really it really hooked me in. That's true. And once you come into the world, look around, see how the air feels, please it, and it will please you. Mm. That was a very Koya line. You think so? Yeah, that fe- it sounds like some something well, that you would just say in it life. Takes after me, I <laughs> <laughs> <Can I> say. <laughs> yeah, that was my poetry moment of the week. Although it happened a few weeks ago, I liked it. Me that too. was a great poetry moment, wasn't it? Yeah, you have a very artistic family. Um, when I asked her if I could read it on the podcast. She got very, very excited. First, I explained what a podcast was. And then she said, in all caps, I love it. Will I be famous? What did you tell her? Yeah, I told her no. <laughs> Don't nobody listen to this show. But People listen. We love you, people who are listening. That's so funny. Does she write a lot of poetry? That's the first thing she sent me. I don't think she does. I think she. I mean, right now, for a first go, that's pretty good. I know. I think she might write more now, now that it's been featured, and she's about to, you know, on the cusp of fame. This is pre-fame, okay? Like, we don't have a ton of listeners right now, but once people catch on, yeah. then she's going to be famous. The people are going to go through the archive, and they'll be like, "Who is this Sophia?" I had to ask her mom first before I could ask her if I could read the poem because I was like, "I don't. Do you want me to make your child a child star? Like, are you?" Are you prepared, prepared for that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm impressed that her first poem, if this was in fact her first poem, was not a rhymey poem. That's advanced. She loves free verse, just like her, just like old Koya. Yeah. Her beloved aunt slash cousin. She's got a free spirit. Free of the spirit, the free of the verse. That's right. Yeah. Wow. I was not thinking stuff like that when I was little. How old are, what is nine? Nine is like. Nine is fourth third grade. grade. Fourth grade. Who was our teacher in fourth grade? We had not met in fourth grade. We went to different schools. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Where did you even go to elementary school? I went to Jones. Oh, you did? Yeah. The whole time? From first from first through fourth? First through fourth, I went to Jones. Yuki. Then, oh my yeah, God. Why? We, why? We had it. Did we go to school together? We did. <laughs> No. I went to Jones for one day. <gasps> oh my God. Day. We were probably in the same class. Because you went to like a, didn't you go to like Seventh day Adventist school or something? I went to a Seventh day, I went to an all black Seventh day Adventist private school and it yeah. was, uh, uh, it was great. <laughs> it was like paradise. Oh, no. <laughs> it was so nice. It really, I mean, you know, like my mom will talk a lot, like my mom and other people around her age, like black people around her age will kind of talk about going to segregated schools. And for the most part, they speak very highly of that experience Mm. um, because, you know, you had like a real community. And even if you weren't given the best resources and stuff like that, and you were, they had to be segregated due to discrimination. Like you had like, you had like a community and, and um, adults that were looking out for you. And and it was, it was just like in a different environment. And I feel like that's yeah. the, that was the experience I had when I was in elementary school. It was like an actual yeah. community. And even though we weren't Seventh-day Adventist, like we all, everybody knew each other. And it was, 
it was great. I mean, I probably would have stayed if we could have at all afforded it. Okay, Yuki, hot dog. I I don't know how I feel right now. Um, today we're talking about Testify by Eve Ewing, right? Yes. Correct. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I put this off schedule because we were going to record last week, but I was all COVID-y. Yeah. yeah. And so now um, here we are. That's right. Yeah. I'm excited to read this one. Did you know Eve Ewing before all this? I did. Here's how I learned of Eve Ewing. Yeah. I was dating someone who bought me her book of poetry, Electric mm. Arches. Nice. But this is not from that collection. Yeah, I was I was just about to ask because I couldn't remember if it was or not. No, I don't know what this is from, actually. Um, Maybe it's just a standalone. Could be. Could Here be. it says originally published in Poem a Day on January 28th, but maybe that's just on this specific website. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to investigate that, I suppose. You yeah. you learned about e-viewing from a book of poetry that was given to you by mm-hmm. a man who probably had a crush on you. He didn't have a crush on me. I was in a relationship with him. Oh, you were in a relationship with him. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And you you liked the poetry. I did like the poetry. And I don't know how I came across this particular poem. No idea. I was probably just like Googling her or something like that. I don't know. Mm. Do you still have the book with you? Electric Arches? Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I want to see I... it. Should should I? You don't have to get it now, but <laughs> later. like Because I, I was reading a little. I think I talked about this in the bio, but there's like artwork in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I just I was curious to see the artwork that accompanied it. I will show it to you. Thanks. So I I, I don't remember how I came across this one, but I I um I'm glad that I did, and I'm I'm really interested to hear your reading. Oh, I'm a little nervous. Okay, you wanna you wanna get into it? You wanna do a little background it. and then yeah. do a little reading. L. Ewing is an American writer, poet, community organizer, academic, visual artist, podcast producer, educator, Marvel comic book writer, and I don't get the sense that those come in any particular order or that this is anywhere close to an exhaustive list. I'm sure she isn't trying to make us all look bad, but she is succeeding. Anyway, I hope this isn't an anti-feminist thing to say, but she's also really, really pretty. Ewing is a native of Chicago, and received her undergraduate degree in English language and literature with a focus on African-American literature from the University of Chicago in 2008. She received her master's in teaching from Dominican University in 2009 and her doctorate from Harvard in education policy and management in 2016. She taught for many years in Chicago public schools at Harvard University, Wellesley College, and she currently serves as associate professor of race, diaspora, and indigeneity at the University of Chicago. Much of her writing and research focuses on African-American experiences, structural racism, female experiences, and education. Because she does so much different stuff, I kind of struggled with writing this biography. It's so freaking cool that she's the first Black woman to write the Black Panther comic series. And she's also a serious academic. And she's been on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. And she's somehow 36. (laughs) I had a hard time wrapping my head around it all and trying to find a clear through line, but this is where I landed. As a fellow educator, albeit one who's not nearly as cool as viewing, I can see her fabulously diverse career as stemming from a teacher's heart to try anything and everything 
to get her ideas across to her students. Like, what if I explain this to you through a poem or an essay or a workshop or a painting or a comic book or a podcast? Most educators don't have all of those skills, but miraculously, Ewing does. In an interview for The Intercept, she discusses how she included her own visual artworks among her essays and poems in her 2017 collection, Electric Arches. She said, I was amazed at the idea of incorporating visual art as in service of perpetuating some of the ideas and thoughts that are central to the book, but also, to be quite honest, as a way of just forcing people to have encounters with visual art. I find that, you know, poetry already as an art form is something that people have a lot of sort of mystified mythos about, where many people think of it as very inaccessible or very hard to understand, or they think they need some kind of special training to understand it. And so part of what I want to do is invite people to have encounters with visual works as part of their encounter with text. Eviewing, I think you get what we're trying to do here at Poetry. Ewing is the author of six books, and her poems and essays have been published in The New Yorker, The New York Times, and The Atlantic, just to name a few. She's the recipient of numerous awards. She was the first artist in residence at the Boston Children's Museum. She received the Norma Farber First Book Award by the Poetry Society of America, the Paul Engel Prize, the Gordon J. Lang Award, the New American National Fellowship, and the McDowell Fellowship, among many others. Testify by Eve L. Ewing. I stand before you to say that today I walked home and caught the light through the fence, and it was so golden I wanted to cry. And I lifted my right hand to say thank you, God, for the sun. Thank you, God, for a chain-link fence and all the shoes that fit into the chain-link fence so that we might get lifted. God, thank you. And I just wanted to dance, and it feels good to have food in your belly and it feels good to be home, even when home is the space between metal shapes. And still we are golden. And a man who wore the walk of hard grounds and lost days came toward me in the street and said, Girl, what a beautiful day. And I said, Yes, testify. And I walked on, and from some place a horn rose, an organ, a voice, a chorus, here to tell you that we are not dead. 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 We are not dead yet. What do you think? I I just really like this poem a lot. I think maybe I like it especially today. Um, I liked reading. I have a really, really, really specific way that this sounds in my head. Mm. Um, And so it was certainly, I knew it was going to be different from that, but it was actually surprisingly similar in some parts, which I was, yeah, I was kind of surprised by. Will you tell me a little bit about how it sounded in your head? So this is probably one of the only poems that I can think of that when I read it, I hear it in a different voice than my voice or the author's, what I imagine the author's voice to sound like. Mm-hmm. I hear this in a man's voice. Interesting. I hear like this, a preacher's voice. I hear it in a preacher's voice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, it's a little bit like Howard Thurman. Do you know Howard Thurman? Mm-mm. He's a theologian. Uh, like a, a civil rights activist, he had a very, very, very like slow and deliberate way of speaking. But so it's more it's more fast paced than that. But his voice is kind of like what I imagine when I read this. And I mean, this this particular poem is so I mean, it's so churchy and black, you know, like, yeah. I can only really hear it in a particular way. Like I can hear like I can hear like 
the pastor breathing into the microphone and like the rustle of his robes. You know, it's like it's like a it's a it's like a very immersive experience when, right. I, when I read this particular poem, um, and the way that she has um, the way that she has broken the lines and stuff. Like it, it's to me like it's like a really specific way for mm-hmm. it to be read, and, and like much more so than other um, other poems that we've looked at before. Yeah, I um I definitely had that image in my head too, but there was no way I could <laughs> I could bring that image to life. <laughs> I just don't have I just don't have that in me. But I yeah, that I think there's something about the like the ands too, like the run on, you know, there's just like it's just kind of pouring out and it's very rhythmic. Um yeah. I feel like that's something that I think of when I think of like black preachers. Yeah, yeah. The part that surprised me was that you read the thank you god part and like much more similar to how i was hearing it in my head um oh yeah but then there were other things that were that had a different cadence than what i was imagining for sure Mm -hmm. i think one part that i was like worried about was the yes testify um because it's such an important you know it's like the title of the poem and it's an important line in the poem but it's like it's like i feel like it could be wrong but i feel like that also comes from like black church culture yeah, too you know sure. it's like when you're like the the call and response kind of thing mm-hmm. and like that's not part of like my church experience so i was like yeah i want to get this right but i also don't want to get it you know like too I- right <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm trying to say right yeah, yeah like <laughs> like i i struggle with this sometimes because i grew up in tennessee so there's like part of my speech that's like a little bit like aave adjacent mm-hmm. and so like i'm like yeah 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 I mean, I read that um, when I read poetry, I don't always read it out loud. Sometimes I do. Um, But this one, I made a point of reading out loud because as I'm reading it, you know, I'm thinking like, is this poem doing what I think it's doing? Like, am I am I catching the spirit as I'm reading this poem? And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, yes, I am. (laughs) It's why I read this. You know, I was reading it to you and I was like self-conscious. But when I read it to myself, I get really emotional um, Mm -hmm. because it's not only is this like a sentiment that I understand, there's like like a mood that I understand, but like it is written in a an idiom that is very meaningful. And she has been able to capture that idiom mm. that is extremely like audio focused, you know, like like I like I'm, she's able to convey that through text, mm-hmm. um, which is incredible. You know, it's stunning. I don't know how yeah. you can really do that. You know, like yeah. when, when I'm reading it, I'm just like you know, like the first time I encountered it and I, and I thought like, wow, how is she doing this? How is yeah. she, how is she having this play in my head? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny because like, there's this weird overlay phenomenon that's happening because like, on the one hand, like I'm with her as she's walking down the street, but on the other hand, I'm like definitely looking at a church pulpit. So like, <laughs> yeah. like, Oh, that, you know, how did that happen? And I, I, you know, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up in um, Black church specifically. So, like, it's funny that she's able to evoke that image so clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you like the poem? I love this poem. You do? I really love I'm this so poem. Happy. Yeah. Like, I love, I love reading it out loud. Just like, I love the, like, experience of the poem, but also, like, one thing that I draw from the message of this poem is that like her spiritual practice is with her, like not just in church, but also when she's walking down the street. Yeah. And it it doesn't invoke necessarily like the prettiest picture, but she paints it in a way that's really beautiful and like luminous and golden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, there it's another like weird overlay phenomenon where like you know she's talking about a chain link fence, um, but I'm also like imagining this little kid like you know like we all did like we all wanted to like stick our toes in the the chain link mm-hmm. fence and like use it to like climb up, um, and like try not to poke our eyes out on the little barbed wire. <laughs> But also like looking through it and like seeing all these like golden rays coming through, you know, like it's it's a beautiful image, but also at the same time, not. Yeah, it's it's finding the beauty in things that are not particularly beautiful, which is that's something I I, I think we've talked about this before, but it's, those are the kinds of poems that I tend to gravitate towards. Yeah, I think like there's, you know, there are some lines like it feels good to have food in your belly it feels good to be home even when home is the space between metal shapes. So like the idea that like having enough with the memory of maybe not having enough. Yeah. You know, it feels very satisfying and you're really grateful. And I think that there's something, there's something about that that like pricks my faith in some way, you know, it's like life is not easy, um, but somehow, you know, God will provide. So there's a little bit of that message in there for me. I think the last lines, like the collections of we're not dead yet, we're not dead yet. There's something about like keeping faith and being grateful for the next day that we have or the the day that we have today. Okay, there's two things actually that I want to respond to in that. The first is what you were saying about the, you know, it almost kind of evokes this negative image of like, you know, having all of this, but then whatever she did not have before that is causing her to be so grateful in this moment. Um, What you're saying about it feels so good to have food in your belly, it calls up not having food in your belly. Right. And so, I mean, I, I, when I read this poem, I mean, I probably have a moment like this probably like once a week (laughs) and, you know, it's always on the other side of something, you know, and I often like when I, when I read this poem, I, yeah, I think about, what she must have been through to get to this point and how um how challenging that must have been whatever it is like getting to this point of like being grateful for the things that are going well but accepting things as they are i think that's what i'm trying to say and you know to get to that point you have to have really been through a lot and so i really liked how the poem is able to evoke that at the same time the, the same time that it's focusing on all of the this experience of of total gratitude and abundance you know and then um, the other thing that I was going to say is that even though I'm not Christian, I was raised Christian and, and like Christianity means a lot to me because it meant a lot to my ancestors. And so for me, there is like, I'm always able to find, maybe not always, but I am, I often find things like this to be comforting, not as a Christian, but as someone who, you know, this is, it feels, it feels like home, you know. I was wondering if it would have like a different, if you would have a different experience with it as someone who came to Christianity later in life, like and did not grow up in it. But it's probably the same thing. It's probably, you know, it's com- it can be very comforting, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're not a particularly religious person. I think most people have had the experience of getting through something very difficult and then being like, oh my God, you know, like, I can't believe it. It's over and it's done. And I'm just so happy yeah. <laughs> on the other side of it. But so for me, this isn't um, what connects me to this is not necessarily that it isn't, it's probably not exactly the same place as you, although maybe, I don't know. Um, But this feels like it's, um, I don't know, like a part of my lineage or something in Mm -hmm. some way, you know? Yeah. 
I, I think that there's a part of this poem, certainly, that is like about Eve Ewing's faith or like this imaginary preacher, mm-hmm. you know, preacher's faith or, you know, whoever it is, um, who is the I that's speaking. But I think that actually for me, the bigger part of this poem is the context that is being described in the poem and faith is giving the speaker the ability to transform these things from kind of cold and gritty you know like the hard grounds and the lost days like able to hold on to those memories and make space for those memories and you know make space for the chain link fence but also yeah come out the other side and transform those things into something golden Mm -hmm. um i just had this thought like you know at the beginning when we were just kind of catching up you were talking about how a lot of you know maybe like people in your your parents generation or older kind of remember segregated schools in a very positive way like not you know in the sense that like the schools themselves had a lot of resources or you know like they were treated well as an institution within the community but like in this within the school itself there was like a lot to be grateful for Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of getting a similar feeling in this too. Like, you know, I, th- I think the fence, it like creates this feeling for me of like, I'm fenced in, you know, like it's this enclosed space, mm-hmm. which doesn't feel comforting at all. <laughs> but like, you know, within this space, you know, there's a sense of community between the speaker and the guy that she's speaking to. And there's this ability to like recognize like, oh, there is like a lot of really beautiful things that we can draw from this experience like it wasn't appropriate for schools to be segregated or for schools to have different levels of resources appropriated to them um and it's not fair or appropriate for some communities to be literally blocked off from other communities Mm -hmm. by fences and other kinds of barriers um and to not have the same kinds of resources um that's like the image that's being brought up in this poem yeah Um, But, you know, in the same way that you were talking about how within segregated schools, a lot of people were like really happy for this sense of community and um, they felt really like they felt like they had a sense of control over building that community, Mm -hmm. which was like totally demolished when schools were desegregated. Right. Not to say that desegregation of schools is necessarily a bad thing. I think the way that it happened was Mm -hmm. stupid and horrible. Well, yeah, actually, that's a good point, because I keep talking about her kind of getting through something when, in fact, everything about the poem points to the fact that she's she's probably still in whatever it is, you know, like a lot of the imagery that she's evoking has. Yeah, like a chain link fence is like not nice. You know, it's like not it's it's. um kind of stern and urban and and not particularly warm or welcoming and this is this is about like being in a situation that is unpleasant and still being in it i think um to a certain extent but being able to make not only to make do with but like to make something that is i guess to precious to, some yeah maybe make something that is precious within that you know yeah and, and like that is, I mean, to a certain extent, that is kind of how my, you know, my mother and and aunts and uncles and stuff talk about that kind of experience. Like, my mother did not go to integrated schools at all, but my aunt and uncle did. And so that for the last couple of years of, of their schooling, and, and, and so they really lament the loss of, of that, you know, mm-hmm. a- after being integrated. And, but I mean, a lot this- of, like, a lot of Blacks, and like, I'm sure like all black schools, just like the entire reason for round first board of education, but like the, you know, they were 
horribly under-resourced from yeah. like a public perspective. But some of these schools were well-resourced simply because their community, like their alumni associations and things, like they yeah. donated resources. So like they were under-resourced, but they just found a way yeah. to get, make it happen within the community. Yeah. So there there was a similar kind of like, well, we don't have the resources that we need, but we, yeah, we have like this great community and we have people looking out for each other. And we, you know, and my mother received a good education, even though black schools were intentionally underfunded, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they integrated the white schools, you know, and closed the black schools and closed the black schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it was like, it was like a pretty marked difference, you know, a pretty marked decline because then you had you know, white teachers who were begrudgingly teaching black children. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, there was something lost there. But, but I guess, I mean, I guess to say that, like, in this poem, there is, I mean, I, I just, part of why I feel so connected to it is this, this legacy of black people in situations where black people are being discriminated against by white people, by white institutions. And whether it is, you know, slavery or, Jim Crow, segregated schools, you know, whatever it is, and still just fucking living, just yeah. like absolutely <laughs> unable to be kept down. Yeah. And so that that is that is certainly like that's a like a thread I feel like that, that runs through the poem. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of why I feel so connected to it, because there there is like, you know, she is I feel like she is able to, as she's talking about this one moment of walking down the street, she's able to collapse all of this history mm-hmm. um, into the poem by using this particular idiom of like sermon, a black church yeah. um, environment. And so all of this gets pulled into this one moment in a way that is really, really, really impressive. Yeah. That that word, like one moment, I think is really important part of this poem too. Like it is very like what is that phrase? Like mindful? You know, it's like you're like very present in this one moment in time when you feel so grateful for the light and so grateful that you have shoes. Like, you know that like, you know, two months from now, those shoes might be worn out and you might not have shoes that fit anymore. You know, like this is a very like it's a moment in time and a Mm -hmm. lot can change. But in this one moment, I'm so grateful because I know that it's not forever. Um, yeah, and you know that that you know it wasn't it hasn't always been like this for your family or even for you, um, and you know that it's not going to be like this tomorrow. So I'm just going to be really grateful right now and enjoy it. That's a really good point. This this does really hinge on on like a a kind of total presence mm-hmm. in in one moment. That's that's interesting. That last word to the yet, yeah, we're not dead yet. Yet. So while we're alive, mm-hmm. we're going to do some stuff. <laughs> you got to testify. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, like, let's dig into that word since it's the title of the poem. Like, what does yeah. testify mean to you? Um, so in in a church context, then it, it means, you know, testifying to God's grace, testifying to, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like in a church context, it is always used in a positive sense. But probably when I when I when I typically encounter the word testify, I'm probably usually thinking about it in like a in a legal context, which is not about testifying to what is good. It is about acknowledging something, you know, reality in like it, as objectively as possible. You know, it's it it's mm-hmm. like it is it doesn't have that same kind of connotation. So I guess, but I mean, I assume it. You know, in a 
church context, it's borrowed from that, or I don't really know what the history of testify is, so I don't know, maybe maybe it's the opposite. But uh, yeah, in a church context, if we were to kind of take it from the juridical context, I guess, what is, in the most objective sense, and what is good are the same. You know, it, 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 is, mm, it tends mm-hmm. to be, you know, like we, we think of it as like, ah, yes, testify, God is good, et cetera, et cetera. And so that is what is you know, it's not necessarily trying to, I don't think, I, I think the intent is not to try and make something good that's not good. It's, it is to acknowledge what is already good that is, you know, objectively present in, in whatever situation or whatever moment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it definitely, I mean, you said before that sort of call and response thing, you know, that mm-hmm. definitely comes up when I, when I hear the word testify, you know, I mean, and even, you know, the way she has written this, I mean, I can just, I, I can just see all of it. You know, she says she raises her right hand to yeah. say, thank you, God, you know, and I could hear, I can hear, I can see that. Yes, mm, yes exactly. testify. Like slightly lower yes. head. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I can, I can see it perfectly. And so it's, it is, all of this is, is to me about catching the spirit, but like kind of in an everyday sense, you know, kind, kind mm-hmm. of like it's it's a little more muted than like, you know, you're in church and you're starting to speak in tongues, you know, but it's like you are having that kind of experience like out in the world, you know, and just suddenly able to recognize, oh, damn, like, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> this is like, I feel like I would have this monologue in my head after church, like after like a really good sermon that just mm-hmm. like hit me in the gut you know mm-hmm. and i'm like walking down the street and like reflecting on it yeah and i'm like yes yes <laughs> yes you know <laughs> just like everything that you see that kind of confirms what was like spoken about that day in church yeah. you know that's that's like like the image that i have in my head right now this is for me this is like a like a break in the clouds moment where you know things have been really difficult and then you set for just by grace or what have you, you just have a moment where you're like, oh, like everything that I think is going to happen and everything I'm worried that has happened is not happening right now. You right know? now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you get to have this moment, this this like one moment of like, whew, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and it's, then it's overwhelming because everything becomes instantly more vivid and it's like, uh, you can see clearly you know, for, for me, I mean, I've had this, I've had this moment, you know, many times and everything, everything is just like, ah, yes, this is what it is to be on earth. I forgot, <laughs> but now I remember going to forget again <laughs> right now I'm remembering. And this is pretty, this is pretty good. And then, uh, you know, and then you forget again and just keep having the same moment over and over again and then you die, you know, but you're not dead yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Um, I guess we better wrap up. Yeah. Do you have more to say? Favorite um, favorite line, real quick. Oh, that's hard to have a favorite line. There was one line that we didn't talk about, which I liked. Um, from some place a horn rose, an organ, a voice, a chorus. Mm-hmm. And I think when I initially read that, kind of without thinking about the context or anyway, so like when I first read read the word horn, I was thinking of like a car horn. <laughs> which i think fits you know kind of given mm-hmm. the, the rest be, of this poem yeah. but then like the horn rose an organ a voice a chorus so then like the horn suddenly became like an angel kind of horn yeah um so i thought that was interesting how that that shifted for me and i i was like oh i much prefer that i i much prefer an angel kind of like trumpeting a 
thoughts rather than like some far off car horn blaring at me. Yeah. I didn't even think about that in the context of like an, you know, like a street environment. I kind of, I kind of like either way actually, because then, you know, the horn from like a car mingles with all of these like angelic. Right. (laughs) Um, Create this horrible harmony. (laughs) (laughs) That, I mean, that actually might, I think that the whole poem is, is really kind of one long sentence. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But I think that that's probably my favorite. I the whole thing. On. The whole thing is your favorite. Well, that that the the horn. Ro- I walked on, and from some place, a horn rose, an organ, a voice, a chorus. You know, um, and then the and then the rest of it, and then all of the we are not dead. I I think those are my favorite lines because that experience. I know exactly. I know exactly what that is, and I and I've. I've heard the horn rising and the organ, a voice, of course. I've I've heard it. I know exactly what she's talking about. And it is so it is so wonderful to just read someone having that exact experience as you mm. and who's able to articulate it better than you could have and then share it, you know. But really the whole thing. Yeah. Can I share one more like whiplash from this poem? Mm-hmm. Um, was when the the line where it says a man who wore the walk of hard grounds and lost days came toward me in the street mm-hmm. like my in my heart I was so prepared to be like this guy's gonna say something horrible <laughs> he's gonna say something nasty <laughs> and he's like girl what a beautiful day and even after I read it I didn't quite believe that that was what he said because I was like surely he's gonna say something truly horrendous mm-hmm. um, but then he didn't he didn't he didn't. He said, girl, what a beautiful day. And I've had that experience too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just someone shuffling towards you and then they just got a real nice thing to say and you're like, yeah. okay, that went better than I thought. Yeah. And it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't about you. It wasn't like, oh girl, you're beautiful. You know, yeah. which like is like nice, but not welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just like truly just wholesome. And like, I, I don't know what she was feeling like in, in my heart. Like I was like, oh, like. <laughs> I I'm glad I like mustered up the like presence of mind to say yes testify as if mm-hmm. I, you know, I was like, <laughs> embodying this poem but like you know rather than be like that's not yeah. what I thought was going to happen you scared me old man <laughs> <laughs> I like that that line too because I feel like he's having his own moment of a horn yes. and an organ and a voice and a chorus and they're kind of having the same you know thing and they have this like sort of brief meeting of like is it as good as I think it is? And like, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, better. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like it's made especially good by the fact that it could very easily not be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Testify. Our background in Eve Ewing was compiled from the intercept, eveewing.com, and the University of Chicago website. All links will be available in the show notes. Our music is from Less of Him. Do you like what you heard? Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends and enemies and subscribe so you know when each new episode drops. For questions, comments, concerns, or if you have a poem you'd like for us to discuss, hit us up on Instagram or email us at wepoetried at gmail.com. That's W-E.P-O-E.T-R-I-E-D. If you want to keep hearing more episodes like this, you can support Poetry by subscribing to our Patreon linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.